Well, good morning. Welcome to the first part of our fall series that we're really excited about called My Mission. I believe that if, if you come to all these weeks of My Mission, which is five weeks long, because if you're here for the first time and just checking out church, you're here at an awesome time. Because if you come to all of these weeks, and for those of you that have been here for many weeks, if you show up for this series, there are some things in your life that will start to come into focus. You will find things out about yourself that maybe you didn't even know. You will discover some new passions that maybe you didn't even know existed in your life. And I'm convinced that if you come to these five weeks and you take the opportunity to use the resources that I'm going to share with you today that we're going to have available to you and you participate, you're going to find something new. You're going to find something that's going to take you beyond going to church week after week. Because that's the last thing we want everybody to do is just go to church week after week. We want everybody to be on mission. And we're going to define that today. And throughout this series, we're going to help you discover that. Husbands in the audience, I don't know if your wife is like mine, but my wife, she's kind of magic. I mean, she, she can find things that I can't find. She will tell me where something is. I will open up the cabinet and it's not in there. I promise it's not in there. And she will go and open up the cabinet and like, here it is. Or I'll be in the closet looking for my, for the shoes I want to wear that day. And I'm like, honey, where are my shoes? And she says, they're by the couch where they've been since Tuesday. Oh, okay. Got it. She sees things sometimes that I just don't even notice. Like, I don't always notice the sock left on the floor. Sometimes I walk by it. Guys, can you relate to that? I mean, God blessed us, many of us, with amazing wives that help us notice those things. And maybe in your family it's reversed. Maybe the husband notices that and the wife doesn't. But God has blessed us with people around us to notice stuff like that. And so when we're going through this series, you are going to start to notice things can change. You, you may think you have this to-do list of things you have to do, but my goal is over the next several weeks, you'll discover something that you have to do. Who's a list maker? Anybody make a list? I mean, you, you make a list, you know, and you, you go through it and you get everything done. I stopped making physical lists. I just stopped. Because either I would put too much on there and there was just no way that I was gonna get it done. So then I get at the end of the day and I felt horrible. Or I would get it all done and I would look at everybody else and say, lazy. How, you, nothing. You're, you're, you're not worth anything. You can't even get your list done. So I just stopped physically making the list. You probably have that list. I still have it in my head. I just don't write it down. You probably have a list. Either it's in your head or it's written down of things you have to do. I mean, if, if you're really into football, you probably had to watch. Who had to watch a ball game yesterday? You had to do it. It didn't matter what the kids had. It didn't matter what the husband or wife wanted you to do. You were going to watch that football game. Or maybe your have-to-do list is, I want my kids involved so much that we, we teach them how to be stressed out at a really young age. So I want to involve my kids in everything. Maybe that's what you feel like you have to do. Or I've got to focus on my career so I can make more money and I can buy more stuff and I can have a better retirement. Maybe that's what you feel like I have to do. We all have things 
in our lives that we believe we have to do this. We must. And if I don't do this, life's just not going to be the way it should be. I see people every day who focus on what they have to do, all the things they have to do, and they're dominated by that. And when that happens, you're much less likely to discover all that God has for you. You're much less likely to discover your mission when you are driven by your things to get done list. In the book, Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis says, each morning when you wake up, all your wishes and hopes for the day rush at you like wild animals. And that's true. But for most of us, it's not our dreams and hopes and wishes. It's just the stuff we always have to do. Same old alarm clock goes off. We get in the same old shower, eat the same old breakfast, get in the same old car, drive to the same old job, deal with the same old boss, drive the same old road back home and get ready and do the same old thing all over again. Too many people believe that's how you have to do life. Well, I just got to do it. I just got to do the same old thing over and over again. I don't like the same old thing. I change things up just cause. I mean, I'll just, hey, we need to move the couch over here. Why? Because it just needs to be different. Let's just change something. I mean, when we're sitting in a staff meeting and I say these words, people start to shake. I've got an idea. Like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? He's got another idea. Because I just, I don't like life getting into that rut of a routine and the same thing over and over again. Because that limits so many people. You've got to figure this out about life. There's one on-ramp and one off-ramp, and you only get one shot. So you get on, and you go through life, and then there's an off-ramp coming somewhere down the road, and that's it. And so why not spend this life doing something that really matters, something that really jazzes you up inside, something that really makes you feel like when you lay your head down at night, you did something that's worthwhile. I'm always fascinated to read what people who have reached 100, 115 years old, things that they say. And rarely do they say, well, you know, for 65 of those years, I was stressed out. I was working hard. I didn't think I was going to get through life. And then I worried about all this stuff. And I've worried my way right on up to 110 years old. They don't say that. They usually tell stories of not what they ate or not even how they exercised. What they do is tell stories about how it was up here. Because this is where it's got to all start. And of course, they got to take care of themselves or they wouldn't have made it that far. But most of the time, what you hear people like that say that have made it to that age is they didn't worry. They kept a positive attitude and they did something with their life they deemed worthwhile. My grandmother on my father's side of the family died when she was 93 years old. I didn't know know her all that well because she didn't live near us. But I do remember that grandma was a very happy old lady, always smiled, always laughed. She taught Sunday school well into her 80s. At 90 years old, her son said, you are not driving anymore. You're hitting too many things. It's costing too much money. You have to stop. But I remember her enjoying all of life. And unfortunately for many people today, What could be written on their tombstone is he lived for 90 years and died. 
Same old thing, 90 years and then die. Everybody deep down inside, you know you want to do something that's making a difference. You know what, when you get up to the time you go to bed, you want to be able to say, I am making a difference. The world's a little bit different because I had some input on something, big or small. Based on the gifts and abilities and opportunities God's given me, I made a difference. A few years ago, Rick Warren wrote the book, The Purpose Driven Life. And it was immediately a bestseller. I don't, it's not even theologically deep, but it's just this simple idea of you can have a purpose in life. And people ate it up. People that never, had never opened the Bible before opened that book and started to read it. People that didn't even go to church opened that book and started to read it. People want to know their lives make a difference. But if all you're focused on is my things to do list, what I have to do, you might miss it. See, by God's design, there's something that you have to do. And, and that's find your mission. You, you got to find out, well, what is it? What, what's my purpose? What am I supposed to be doing? What am I supposed to be doing that makes a difference? I didn't come to know Christ till I was 21 years old on a college campus and I was a little rough around the edges. You didn't quite know what I was going to say, you know, and then, so people were a little bit scared. This guy that didn't look like anybody else, didn't talk like anybody else. All of a sudden I was a part of this small group of people who went to this certain church and, and, and 10 or 12 of us. And I, when I finally realized what the gospel meant and, and how it could change my life, I started asking the leaders of that group, are we telling anybody else about this? Because this is some good stuff. Well, yeah, but you know, we're just, we're trying. And I was like, well, okay, I'm in charge now. All right. Because every day I go by the student center, I see credit card companies with two liter bottles giving away Cokes and Pepsis and students are there signing up for credit cards. Why don't we have a Bible study, give away two liters and see who might come. So the next week I got a table, I went and bought some two liters and I set it up and had a sign up sheet for a Bible study. And people took the Cokes and came. A few people actually showed up. It's like, well, that was easy. And then this one guy, I remember specifically, he signed his name, gave us his phone number. I called him up, invited him to a Thursday night Bible study. He came. He didn't know anything about Jesus. I didn't know that much either, but I kind of fumbled through the Bible and, and showed him some things. And he gave his life to Christ. And I was like, this is what I'm supposed to do. This was fun. I enjoyed this. At that time, I had no ambition or even clue that God could use me to, to lead in full-time ministry. But at that point, I knew this is what I'm going to do. Whether I, I, whatever my job to make money is going to be is irrelevant. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to help people get to know God. I'm going to help them get in that relationship that I have found that has changed my life. That's my mission. I wouldn't have said it that way at that point. But looking back, that's when I discovered I have to do this. So what is it that you have to do? Frederick Buechner says this, early 20th century theologian. He said, our calling is where our greatest passion meets the world's greatest need. So I see people all the time saying, what's my, I want to know what my calling is. I want to know, how were you called into ministry? And I was like, it wasn't like a phone call or this light in the sky or this thing. It was just like, 
I want people to experience what I've experienced. And so I'm going to orient my life around that. And whatever I do, that's going to be a big part of it. And there's a need for people to know Jesus. And I know him and I love him. And, and I, hey, why don't I just tell people about that? And this need and my passion came together. And then I knew this is my mission. And for you, it's something. What is it? Is it something in your neighborhood or something down the street or something in our city or something even within our church? What is it where your greatest passion and a big need in the world cross paths? That's where you get close, closer to finding your life's mission. My, my hope is through the next, this five-week series, through the next four weeks after this, that you will put your mission on your have-to-do list. Right up there with football season. Right up there with your career. Right up there with getting whatever it is you're trying to get done in life. That your mission is right up there and you feel it so passionately inside, you're going to reorient everything to come around the mission that you know that God has called you to live. If you're taking notes, write this down. Discovering my mission is something that I have to do. You have to do it. You, you will not get to the life that God has planned for you unless you discover this. And sometimes it's like you got to have some help. It's like me looking for stuff in the house or wondering where my shoes are. Somebody's got to say, hey, dummy, it's right there. And so throughout this series, we're going to provide, not that I think anybody's a dummy, but that we're going to provide opportunities for you to find out what your mission is. When we sat down to write this series out and talk about, well, what are we going to talk about each week? Before we can talk about our mission, we need to understand, well, what was God's mission? What was the mission of Jesus? There's a lot of different episodes you can read about in the New Testament where Jesus clearly showed his followers and us his mission. But there's perhaps no better story than one that takes place in the Gospel of John when Jesus interacts with someone. There's some Bibles coming in the aisles right now. If you don't have one, just raise your hand. Ushers will give you one. Uh, you can keep it, take it with you, or you can borrow it and leave it in the back. So just raise your hand as they go by. The scriptures will also be on the screen as I read. John chapter 4. Now you wouldn't think when you just read this, these words, that they would be about the mission of Christ. But look at John chapter 4, verse 4. Now Jesus had to go through Samaria. Now you can read that one of two ways. He had to go through there. Like I had to go to work. I had to take a shower, had to eat dinner. Or you can read it. Jesus had to, there was a specific person, a specific thing, a specific purpose for him going. So he either had to go through like, it's just the same old, same old, or he was going through for a specific reason. And I think Jesus had to go through Samaria. For a Jewish rabbi to go into Samaria was a big deal anyway, because guess who lived in Samaria? Samaritans. And Jews could not stand Samaritans. It's like your two most rival sport teams, Duke and Carolina, or the other way around. I'm not choosing sides. It's like, that's what Samaritans were to Jews. But Jesus still went to Samaria Samaritans were, Jews called them half-breeds because they were only partly Jewish. 
So they're half-breeds, they're unclean, we don't have anything to do with them. Jesus could have gone the way the normal rabbis went around Samaria to Jerusalem so he wouldn't have to go right through it. Jesus could have created a sports car and driven around Samaria. He could have teleported himself right around Samaria, but it says he had to go through Samaria. And when he gets there, he comes to this well. He's all alone. He sent his disciples into town to buy some food. And he's all alone going to this well to get some water. And he meets up with this woman. And the reason he went through Samaria starts to make sense. Listen uh, what happened to part of this, from part of the story in John chapter 4 verse 7. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? The Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but everyone who drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Now, it's a big deal that Jesus is even having this conversation because this woman he's talking to, as you, if you read on your own, just read the rest of this story because this woman he's talking to, he already knows she's not been doing well on the moral side of life. She's living with the guy right then when they're talking, but not only that, she'd been married five times. So she's not great at relationships. She's really not good at choosing the right guy or something. And Jesus starts to have this conversation with this Samaritan woman that he wasn't even supposed to talk to. She's, think, she's thinking they're talking about something physical, water. And Jesus immediately starts to talk to her about the spiritual side of his mission. And we'll see as you go through, we go through the rest of this story that she finally understood her mission. Her interaction ends up in her believing that Jesus is the Messiah and he changed her life. See, she went there. She went there being someone who probably came to the well alone because she would have been ridiculed by her friends or she probably wouldn't even have any friends because she was this tainted woman who had been married five times and was living with a guy she wasn't even married to at that time. And those were big no-no's. And Jesus went there and he compelled her by his love, his conversation, his understanding. And then it says, after this part of the story is over, it says that she left her water jars and went back to town. And she came to the well to get water. But what she found from Jesus was so much, she just forgot what she had to do and focused on something else. She came there to get water. Probably what she had to do is probably same old track every day, the same old thing every single day. But all of a sudden she found what she had to do and she left behind what she thought she had to do. And when you find your mission 
when you find your purpose, there are things that you'll be willing to leave behind that you may have thought you had to do, but you'll replace them with what you have to do. This is probably the best story to discover Jesus's mission. By the end of this series, it's my prayer that there's hundreds of people saying, this is what we have to do. We have to be about the mission that Jesus was about. So here's how, here's how Jesus got her connected with him. Now, usually I don't like to teach like this. Like, you know, I usually don't teach having, you know, five things that rhyme with blue or, you know, four things that start with G that you can remember. But this, in this case, it works. To remember what Jesus' mission was to get her connected with him, there's three things that he did, and they all start with R, and that creative. But it's easier to remember if we, if we do it this way. So what's the first thing Jesus did? Jesus reached out to this woman. So I need to reach people who are far from God. If I'm going to be about Jesus' mission, I need to reach people who are far from him. This woman was far from God, but it doesn't mean that she wasn't spiritual. There are people that we see every day that are far from God, maybe in the way they live, but it doesn't mean they're not spiritual because she had a very spiritual conversation with him. And there are Samaritan women all around us. There are people, our friends, maybe our family, our neighbors, somebody we're at school with that are right where she was, that they live far from God. But they're so longing and willing to have something deeper and more meaningful in life. See, we have Samaritans, people who need to be reached all around us. So I need to reach people who are far from God. It's the first thing Jesus did. The second thing, Jesus restored her. I need to help restore people to God. Restoring people to what God had planned for them. Restoring people to God's big dream for their life. And somewhere in this conversation, Jesus started to restore her and restore God's dream. And there are people all around us who need restored. People because of mistakes that they have made. People because of things that that, that, that's happened to them. People stuck in addictions. People stuck in sin. People you may lock eyes with every day that are in desperate need of restoration. In desperate need of discovering and living out God's big plan and desire for their life. So reach people who are far from God. Help restore people to God's big dream. And the last R is I need to help reproduce this mission in the lives of others. Because as soon as... As this Samaritan woman realized who Jesus was, as soon as she realized, I don't, it's not about coming to get water in solitude anymore. All of a sudden she found something she had to do. And later in the story, in verse 29, it says, she goes back to her hometown. She leaves her jars. She goes back home. And it says, John 4, verse 29, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? So now she, she's been reached, she's been restored, and now she's going to help reproduce that message in somebody else. She's saying, this is not, this is not just for me. Everybody's got to know this. 
And she's not a theologian. She may not be very smart. She may not be an academic, but all of a sudden this woman can speak from an experience and say, let's see that man. He told me everything I ever did. Come and see him with me. This could be the Christ that we've been waiting on. She found her mission and it was something that she had to do. And the story goes on to say, many Samaritans from that town believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. She had to tell people about Jesus. Several years ago, I sat in a room with some of our leaders and our staff and our church was growing unexpectedly. Even it was, God was just doing a big thing and still continues to do a big thing. And I thought, well, we got to find a way to say this to just what's God doing. And we tried to come up with statements, things that start with this letter and say three cool things. And, and and then it just came out just as clear as anything. I said, we are about helping people get connected with God. And then everybody started seeing it on a business card and hearing it in videos and, and seeing it on the website. Yes, that's what we're about. Helping people get connected with God. And it's working. I see people, more and more people getting connected with God. This location of our church, it, it, this was the biggest summer we've ever had. The second summer in this school was significantly larger than the first summer in this school. In fact, when I looked at the, just a few weeks ago, I looked back and the July average in attendance for Sunday morning was over 100 people more than the July average last year, which makes us start thinking about, wow, there's not a whole lot of empty seats, third service. Will the building ever get finished? Please pray for that. We're really working on it. But God is blessing this mission to help people get connected with God. And I see new faces all the time. I had a friend from from another site of ours come and visit here a few weeks ago. And he said, I didn't know anybody. Felt like I was in a strange church. I was like, tell me about it. There are people I don't even know. And that changes a lot. It changes the way I act at a stoplight. It changes the way, it changes the way, the speed I drive. The aggressiveness with which I change lanes. It changes that because you might be there. This summer, this summer, we we had one of the little kids from Children of Chernobyl, Alina. We've had her. She comes, comes here. She's been here five summers uh, with us and uh, she's this beautiful child from Belarus that uh, we do this program that people from LifePoint bring them here. And it's an amazing program. So we we're going to the pool and well, the membership is per family and they know, well, there's, there's four in their family. So, uh, here's the fifth child and I didn't want to pay. And so it's like seven bucks and they're only gonna be there 30 minutes. They're going to want to leave. So I, I go up and I'm like, hey, this, I'm telling this guy this whole story. I gave him the whole children of Chernobyl's field, the whole thing about our church is doing this. And look at this child and, you know, big, beautiful brown eyes. And he goes, yeah, I know about that. I go to your church. And I was like, oh, okay. Hey, great. And then so we talked and I, and, and yeah, I've been to your church for a while. And we had a great conversation. And he was like, let him in. I didn't even have to pay. So as more, I, I just love to see people here that I don't know people getting connected with God. And here's one of the greatest things that I can hear when I say, how did you find our church? And somebody says, oh, my neighbor goes here and they invited me. The person I work with kept talking about their church and I decided to come. 
When I hear our youth pastor talk about how there's multiple spiritual generations of one teenager that invited another teenager, invited another teenager, down to like four generations of people inviting others to church who end up accepting the message of Christ. Like that's working. That's people on mission. That's people wanting to know how can I live my mission? If part of it is bringing other people to church, then hey, that's what I'm going to do. So our mission at LifePoint is helping people connect with God. And you know that because I've said it 10 times already today. And if you're here for the first time, come back next week. We'll say it again. We said it last week. You'll see it printed. It's going to be said. So you have no excuse for not knowing it. But when we started thinking about this series called My Mission, we thought, what if people lived it? What if every person who knew it lived it? What if, what if everybody got on board? See, you're either, you're either on board with this mission or you are our mission. And so it's time to make a decision. Am I, do I want to be a part of this? Because starting with this series... We're going to raise the bar on helping you find and live out your mission and giving you opportunities to do that. If you're a follower of Christ, you're missed, that is your mission already. Have you ever met people who are really living out their mission? This is what I want to create a church full of. I want to create a church full of herbs. Not herbs, herbs. Herb is a guy that goes to our Western Boulevard location that runs the food pantry that we have down there. And if you're around Herb very much, I don't get around him much because I feel guilty that I don't take Mondays my day off and go down there and give people food. Because it's a big deal and he will make you question if you can go to heaven or not. Unless you go and serve food because it's his mission. It's what he's all about. It's, I mean, he's like, we got to do this. And when we're doing budget, he just keeps wanting more money. And I'm like, geez, what is the deal? And this guy's like, he's on fire for this. And it's his mission. And if you decide to go down to our West location one day and serve and give out food to those hundred plus families that get it three times a month, you'll see Herb's passion. You'll see somebody living on mission. There's a lady here at this location of our church named Cindy who has a mission to teach the Bible, to teach God's love to other women. And so she leads our women's Bible study and she puts in hours that nobody ever knows about is before God in prayer in ways that nobody even can comprehend because her mission is to get you ladies together and teach you the word of God and let you discuss that in small groups and grow in that relationally with each other. And if you're around her for very long, she will start talking about the women's Bible study. It's a big deal. It's her mission. We just had three people come back a few weeks ago from visiting the church that, that you all paid to plant in Ecuador. And Ben and Amanda and Nancy, if you know them, go ask them, how was your trip to Ecuador? And 30 minutes later, they might stop talking because it's so meaningful. It's becoming, maybe that's going to be their mission. And our goal is that every single person in our church starts to get up in the morning and say, that's my mission. 
that's what I'm going to do. See, because my goal as a leader is not to go to bed at night and go, man, we're filling up almost two services. We're going to be able to do three soon. Get our building. Who knows where that will stop? I won't lay my head down at night feeling accomplished that more people showed up for an hour on Sunday morning. But I will feel something if I know that hundreds and hundreds of people are living out their mission to reach, restore, and reproduce the love of Christ in our city and in our world. And that's what this series is all about, is helping you discover that. And we've got resources to help you do that. I want everybody to write down this website. It's just an extension of of our website, lifepointchurch.com slash mymission. You can go there and download resources throughout the week. You can subscribe to a daily blog. If you're not friends with us on Facebook, you don't follow us on Twitter, you start doing that. All of that will be at this website. Just go to that page and you'll see all of the My Mission resources. One of the resources that we want everybody to download is this, the My Mission Journal. And we don't have one printed out for everybody because the reality is if you won't go home and download it off the web and print it out, then this would have just faded out in the back of your car anyway. So we didn't take the time to print them all up. Now, if you don't have a printer, you don't have internet access, we have plenty. Just come down front and I'll hand it to you and look at you the way my wife looks at me when she finds something that was there all along that I couldn't see. I'll go, all right, here you go. But you got to do it. There's a note for me in here. There's a daily, uh, a daily prayer, a daily scripture reading. It's just that much stuff. And then a lot of space for you to write your own stuff in there. So download the My Mission Journal. If you just go to that page, you'll see it there. If you need one of these, please come down front as soon as the service is over and I'll give you one. There's small group materials. If you're a small group leader, go through the normal process to get your small group discussion questions. You can also access them on that line, on that page. And you will get, be closer to discovering your mission. If you're not in a small group, now's a great time to get in one. If for some reason you can't, you can still participate in everything that we've got coming. Because what we're going to do over the next several weeks, when we get to the end of this five-week series, you are going to be equipped to live your mission. You're going to be equipped to live the way Jesus lived, to do what Jesus did. And starting next week, we're going to look at, well, how did Jesus live his mission? Well, next week, we're going to talk about how do you pray like Jesus? Because Jesus prayed a lot. And he prayed before he did anything. So if we're going to live our mission, then we need to pray like Jesus. Jesus, Jesus ate a lot too. He was a big eater. He was all the time getting to people's house and having dinner. So we're going to eat like Jesus. So week three is eat like Jesus. Week four is about how we can serve like Jesus served. Our community service director, Cynthia Viola, has been hard at work creating a really powerful thing that's going to happen in the month of October. So powerful, we need you to start signing up and taking part in it now and getting ready for the whole month of October. Here's Cynthia. She's going to explain a little bit more about what's going to happen in October. Hey, LifePoint. In three short weeks, we are going to have the opportunity to participate in one of the biggest service projects our church has ever seen. Based on our new series, My Mission, we are designating the entire month of October, We Serve. We are going to be organizing over 50 service projects across all 31 days of October. They're going to be happening on all different days of the week, in every different corner of Wake County, 
at every different hour of the day. So there should be no reason why you can't participate in at least one of them. Or if for some reason one of them doesn't fit into your schedule, please shoot me an email with the service project you would like to lead on the day you'd like to lead it, and we'll be more than happy to make it work out into the calendar. We will be filling an empty apartment full of furniture for an incoming refugee family, holding a free mechanic serve day for single moms and the elderly. We'll be throwing baby showers for pregnant teens and block parties in our neighborhoods. We'll be making gift bags for teachers and making meals for firefighters. The sky is the limit, really. And the beautiful part about it is that it will be happening in your neighborhoods, on your streets. We will certainly serve here in downtown because there is and always will be a great need here. But there are perhaps even more needs in your neighborhoods. Needs that go overlooked or needs that are hidden or swept under the rug. We would like to seek out those needs and shine the light of Jesus so brightly that people will turn their hearts back to him. So this is how it works. Go to lifepointchurch.com backslash we serve. Click over to the month of October where you will see the entire month at a glance. You can find a particular day that suits your schedule or you can look for the type of project you'd like to participate in. To read more about a project, just click on it. When you are ready to sign up for something, click on the More Details link in the bottom left. The window will expand and you'll see the Register Here link is activated. Click on this link. You will be brought to a sign-up form. Please fill it out. Every person participating, age 10 and up, needs to fill out a form. If an event doesn't have an age restriction, you may bring younger children, but they do not need to fill out a form. If you have any notes you'd like to leave for the team lead, leave those here, then push Submit. You are now registered. The team lead for your event will send you a reminder a few days beforehand with any last-minute updates and instructions. If you do not have internet access, put We Serve on your WhatsApp card and we'll call you to get you signed up. We will continue to add new projects every day as we find volunteers to lead each one. So if you're interested in leading a different project than what you see on the calendar, let me know as soon as possible and we'll get it on the calendar. If you're in a life group, we would like to encourage your entire group to serve together on the same project so that you can continue to build strong relationships within your group. If you're not in a life group, we encourage you to just find a project that you're really excited and passionate about and serve alongside those who are serving. Our hope is that maybe you'll really get to like some of the people who are in the groups and then join the group afterwards. This city is not going to know what to do. One person at a time, one day at a time. Together, we will help every person in this area connect to God. For some of you getting in on that, that's going to happen throughout the month of October, and we're going to talk about it in the third week of this series, you're going to discover, hey, this is what our group needs to be about in our community. This is what I need to be about as an individual in my community. And you will start to live your mission after you've discovered it. And and all of a sudden, all these things that maybe seemed a little mundane, all of these things that just felt like the same old, same old, will be transformed because you're now doing what you really have to do. And that's to help connect people with God through reaching, restoring, and then reproducing that. Week four, we're going to talk about speak like Jesus. How to share the message of Christ and what he's done in our lives by using our words, by communicating to somebody else our faith and how they can also share in that faith as well. I'm excited about the next five weeks. Please show back up. Please go online today. If you forgot the website, if you just get to lifepointchurch.com, you just click on my mission or you can go to the links that we also said in there. Like I said, if you don't have internet access, you got to write all that stuff down in the back of your WhatsApp card. Let's get on mission together.
And let's together not just know how to help people connect with God, but to actually help people connect with God. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this story that Jesus had, this conversation he had with this lady 2,000 years ago that helps us see what we need to be about. And God, as you convict us to live with purpose, to live with mission, to live in a way that helps reach people and restore them into a relationship with you and, and reproduce that in the lives of all around us. I pray that you would fill us up with opportunity. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.